Well, hi there. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a bonus episode of Unshaken for you today. We decided to give you two bonus episodes, one today, one tomorrow, and our regularly scheduled episode is going to drop on Thursday, just like every other week. So you have three episodes. You could binge on a little bit. How fun is that? Hey, today's topic is called satisfaction. It's the first part in a two-part series that Wendy Folk gave in the fall of 2020. Now, if you're like me, you probably didn't find a whole lot to find satisfying in 2020, okay, except buying toilet paper. Let's listen in as Wendy gives us some clear direction on where you and I can find satisfaction, how to find it, and how to be careful that we aren't finding satisfaction in wrong things. All right, let's jump in to this talk that was given in the fall of 2020, Satisfaction Part One. My friend Kenya and I still laugh as we remember back to when her little boy was about two or three years old. This was around 20 years ago when Kenya and I would get together and we would pray while our boys would play together. And it never failed that her little Cade would come up to me and say, Miss Wendy, a hungry, a hungry. It wouldn't matter if Cade ate five minutes before he came to my house. He was always hungry for whatever was at Miss Wendy's house. He was hungry and he demanded to be satisfied. And eating and um, satisfying our hunger is as routine as breathing. But like little Cade, I wonder, could we think, I hungry, I hungry, and not really know what we're hungry for? Well, as Jesus has been at work in me, especially over these last couple of years, it seems, he has been kindly guiding me in examining my appetites and finding satisfaction in him alone. And this is a process that he has begun in me. It's a process that he continues in me. And it's a process that I would like for you to join in with me. I pray today that the Holy Spirit will speak to you through my words and that he will work powerfully in you so that you will find yourself fully satisfied in Christ alone. So four years ago, I got serious and I cleaned out my pantry. No sugar, no white flour, uh, no pasta. Everything got replaced with this fancy flour and stevia. Anything that was like a packaged treat, that got relegated to the basement so that I wouldn't get tempted. I diligently planned ahead for my meals because healthy eating was my goal. Now, for the beginning part of my life, I didn't really struggle with my weight. In fact, in in school, kids would make fun of me for being too skinny. Um, And as a college freshman, I entered weighing under 100 pounds. I was not healthy. But I quickly discovered pizza and other things to, you know, fuel my all-nighter. So by Thanksgiving, two months later... I had gained 25 pounds, um, and it was, uh, it was probably finally a healthy weight for me, but it was a fast gain, and I was developing some really bad eating habits. 
Well, when I finally got serious about getting healthy and eating better, I was in my late 40s, and some of you even watched me as I was going through this process, but I had never really honestly assessed my hunger before. You know, why would I eat what I ate when I would eat it? You know, why was my stomach always hurting at night? Was I eating something irritating? Was I eating at the wrong times? I really didn't know what was going on, so I needed to figure it out to fix it. Well, this self-examination was critical if I was going to get healthy. I needed to understand when and why I was hungry, and then I needed to make wise choices that would, that would satisfy. And just as we know Jesus used parables during his earthly ministry, he has taught me about my spiritual hunger through my physical hunger. And I'm not the first that he's done this to, because if you look throughout the word, the themes of hunger and appetites and satisfaction, they are themes all throughout God's word. So let's define hunger. Hunger is any strong desire or an eager desire. It's craving something, longing for something. And when I looked up the definition for appetite, it was pretty similar. But I tend to think that it shows more of a pattern of what we've become hungry for. So you might hunger for a piece of chocolate after dinner, but you might develop an appetite for sweets. Or you may hunger for affection, but you may develop an appetite for pornography. That initial hunger pang can actually lead to a well-developed appetite pattern. So as we, are, as we are listening this morning, I would like to have us consider some questions as um, the Lord is revealing himself to us. So, um, oh, and I just want to um, say that you, in your booklet, if you want to follow along with me, uh, there's, there's kind of an outline there, but there's also some extra questions that you can look at later for application, or even go over it with a friend later and talk about um, some of the things that you've learned. So these questions are in your booklet. So here's the first question. Are you hungry for God? And if so, what does that look like? Also, why should we be hungry for God? And then finally, what if I'm not hungry for God? So to begin answering these questions, we need to examine our appetites. But first, let's go to the Word, and let's see what people have hungered for and why. So in the Old Testament, specifically in Genesis 1 through 3, we see that God created man and woman with appetites for food. And they filled up their hungry bellies because God gave them free reign to eat from everything in the garden, with the exception um, of the tree of, ah, sorry, with, with the exception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And another appetite that God gave the man and the woman was the desire to be one flesh with one another. And these were God given appetites, and they were good. And we know that because God said so. But Adam and Eve, had another desire. They were hungry to have their eyes opened so that they could be like God. They thought that God was holding back from them and that there was more than what he was freely giving them. They believed Satan, and they hungered for the forbidden. They indulged. And then if we go to the New Testament, we see in the Gospels a Gentile woman whose daughter was severely demon-possessed. 
she deeply hungered for her daughter's healing. And her desperation led her to seek out the Jewish miracle worker, Jesus. Now, she was a Gentile, and so she begged Jesus for even the crumbs. She said that because she knew that she didn't deserve anything from him. But she believed him. She believed that he would meet her daughter's need. And Jesus saw her faith, and he healed her daughter that very day. Now, contrast her faith-filled hunger with the rich young ruler. And he already thought that he had everything that he needed. This privileged Jewish man did all the right religious duties. But in his plenty, he had no idea how starved his soul actually was. Instead of a hunger for Jesus Christ, he filled himself up with self-righteous, do-good things. So in just these couple of examples from the Bible, we see that God has made us with appetites that demand to be filled. And apart from sin, our appetite would be for only him. We would be fully satisfied in Christ alone. But sin has changed our hungry desires. Sin has caused us to be hungry for the wrong things or to be hungry for the right things but with a wrong motive. Sin has caused us to be insatiable in our appetites. And sin also causes us to be dulled in our, in our senses and lack any real hunger for God. So as we examine our appetites, let's root out these things that we're hungry for that are wrong or that cause us to be insatiable or dull. And we need to put off these wrong appetites so that we can put on a greater appetite for Christ. So let's think about those first few questions that I, that I asked you. Are you hungry for God? And if so, what does that look like? So let's think about what do you hunger for during the day? Do you hunger for appreciation? Do you want your work to be noticed? Do you hunger for other people's approval? Do you hunger for love or for your sexual needs to be met? Do you hunger for youth or beauty? Do you hunger for me time? Do you hunger for what other people have? Their homes, their cars, their husbands, maybe their obedient children. Some of the hungers that I've just described are wrong. And some of them are fine, but maybe the motivation behind them can become wrong or twisted. Um, in the summer, I knew that I wanted to begin planning for our church's Bible studies. And I knew that they couldn't look the same because of COVID. And so I had to get creative and try to figure out how, how we could still meet and study God's word, but meet in small groups. So I thought, okay, this is going to take a lot of logistics to consider. But I was really excited for the challenge. So I started to get to work. But at some point, I started to grumble. And I knew it was wrong to grumble. And I didn't really know why I was even grumbling about it. I had wanted to do this. I thought it would be, you know, kind of a great challenge. So what was behind my complaining? Well, I wasn't really quite sure. So I took it to the Lord, and he began to show me where my wrong cravings were. I wanted people to see how hard this was for me. And I realized I was hungry for appreciation. 
And I think this is really common for women. You know, we're at home and we are working hard and we want our husbands and our children to see how hard we're working. Or maybe we're at work. We're on, we have a job and we want our employers and the other employees to see how hard we're working. You know, encouraging one another is important. It's a biblical way to keep one another, to keep us from becoming hardened in our sins. So, of course, I needed encouragement, but I also needed to see my hunger, my appetite. If I continued to feast on all those complaints, then I would grow more and more dissatisfied and joyless. So for me, grumbling was the way that I was feeding my appetite for appreciation. But it was kind of like eating cotton candy for dinner and wondering why I was still hungry. Feeding appetites wrongly will always leave us hungry. So instead of going to God with my appetite for appreciation and for love, I chose instead to complain and to seek pity from other people. Now, maybe, maybe some of you might fill up your appetites with too much food or with immoral relationships. Maybe you excessively exercise or you're like always about the selfies. Filling ourselves up with sinful solutions instead of with Christ will always leave us hungry. So sin causes us to hunger after wrong things or with a wrong motive. Sin also causes appetites to be out of control. So I have um, this story about one of my sons when he was eight years old. And we were making those big, giant, yummy, delicious monster cookies together. And while we were making these cookies, he kept eating the dough. And then once they were baked, he kept eating the cookies. Now, these are giant cookies. And he kept eating and sneaking some. And, and I warned him that if he kept eating, he was going to get sick. Well, later on that night in the bathroom, while he was throwing up, he looks at me and he goes, why didn't you warn me? Now, we obviously know that that kind of thing is an insatiable appetite. He was gorging himself. But where might we be lacking control? Where might we be gorging ourselves? Are we unsatisfied with one TV show or one movie And instead, we have to gorge ourselves on an entire season of Netflix? Or maybe maybe just a few cookies or a glass of wine with dinner isn't enough. And we find ourselves in the pantry scarfing down the Oreos or drinking all day long to excess. Or are you able to trust God with the person who has hurt your feelings? Or do you feed that bitterness as you gorge on the details over and over again in your mind. We need to examine ourselves to see where we are gorging ourselves because of -of out-of-control, insatiable desires. So if we are feeding on the world, or if we're filling up with me and my desires, we're not going to be hungry for Christ. Our appetite for him will just get crowded out. So our appetites might be wrong, they might be insatiable, or they might just be absent or dull. About four years ago, um, well, actually, let me back up just a second. You know, whenever you're not feeling well, um, oftentimes we have 
you know, stomach aches. You know, we don't have much of an appetite. And food doesn't seem good. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't smell good. Um, And so uh, that can kind of be a red flag that something's wrong, right? And about four years ago, I got ahead of myself there, but my father-in-law was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And this is a very aggressive cancer and oftentimes um, goes unchecked because it doesn't have any symptoms. But he had some symptoms. He had a suppressed appetite. He had jaundiced skin. His dull appetite served as a red flag that something was going on wrong with his body. And dull spiritual appetites also have red flags. Maybe you don't have any desire to be in God's word. Or maybe when you're worshiping, you're just kind of going through the motions. Perhaps you are finding that you are lacking love and joy toward God and toward his people. Maybe you're just more enticed by things of the world. Or perhaps you're just spending so much time cultivating that bitter root that you've planted because someone has offended you. We're all hungry for something, and it matters what we're feeding on. It matters what kind of appetites we have. So if we're not hungry for Jesus, and if we are not cultivating an appetite for him, then our spiritual lives will become dull and empty. Life will be gone, and we only have life through Jesus' death and resurrection. So we have to stir up our hunger for him. So this is what Christ told the people in Capernaum. He said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So when the Jews heard this, They began quarreling among themselves. I mean, how dare that he say that we are to eat his flesh? But Jesus took it one step further and replied that unless they eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, they would have no life in them. Well, of course, this teaching caused many to be offended. We can understand that, right? They turned away. But Jesus told his disciples that these words were the words of life. So, will you eat this bread of life? You might read God's word and say, how does this this, apply to me? Or, I don't like what's in here. Or maybe God didn't really mean that. And when we do this and become offended we turn away from the very bread of life. And we do this enough, and our appetites will become dull and suppressed and eventually even diseased. So if our appetites are wrong, or if they're out of control, or if they're dull, then we need a change of appetite so that we will hunger for Jesus because it's only in his flesh and in his blood that we have life. So I began today by asking us to examine our appetites so we can root out those sinful cravings. 
But if you're going to make a change in your appetite, you need to get behind the reason for those changes. You need, to, you need to buy the why. And that way you will stop those, um, those well-worn patterns that you have of sin. So now let's answer that question, why should I be hungry for God? Well, simply put, we need to change our wrong appetites so that we will become more hungry for Jesus Christ. If we're gorging on the wrong things, we won't be hungry for him. So we need to stir up our hunger for Jesus so that we love him more and we love one another more. So I read this quote, and it says, We were made for one worship and one satisfaction, but our taste buds are skewed until our appetites are formed in and for him. So if we're hungering for wrong things, maybe we just need a taste bud overhaul. So a couple years ago, when I started to eat in that more healthy way, all I craved all day long was sugar and bread. And I thought, I am never going to eat healthy if all I'm craving is sugar and bread. So I prayed that God would give me new tastes, new desires. And he does this for us physically, and he does this for us spiritually. So in Psalm 37, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Him, to the Lord, and trust also in him, and he will do it. So as we seek the Lord to change our cravings, to give us new taste buds spiritually, he is going to provide us opportunities to trust and to obey. And this is a real process. That's why I like this particular version of Psalm 37, because it says cultivate faithfulness. And it's a farming analogy of, of cultivating something. It's, it's a slower process oftentimes. Um, faithfulness doesn't just grow overnight. It's a process of planting the truth in our hearts and in our minds. It's a process of watering with the washing of the word. And we, it's a process of pruning and tending. So as we trust God, we will grow to delight in him more and more. We know that he's faithful as he shapes us into the image of his son, as he shapes our desires and our cravings, our appetites. Hunger for God brings great delight. There's joy in hungering for God. So this psalm tells us a lot about what we are to do, right? We're to trust, we're to do good, we're to dwell and cultivate, delight, commit our way. But don't forget for a moment that this changing of our taste buds, that is a work of the Holy Spirit through us. If it, if it was just up to me, I could just pull up my bootstraps and just be more disciplined. But with the Spirit's work in me, he is renewing our appetites, our desires for more of him and for less 
of ourselves. And I've seen God do this just in my Bible reading. If I, if I am reading more of his word, if I am eating more of his word, then the hungrier I get for it. But if I'm just nibbling on a verse here or a verse there, then pretty soon my appetite for truth dries up. Some of us are studying 2 Peter right now. And 2 Peter chapter 1 says that we've been given his divine power for all of life and godliness. So it's through his power that we can tame our wild flesh. And it's through his power that we can change our taste buds for that which is good and truly satisfying. So ask God to show you his power. Don't be satisfied with an appearance of godliness without the power. So changing our appetites might require a taste bud overhaul. But it also requires careful planning. So when I started changing my eating habits, I needed to plan ahead so that I would have food available every three to four hours. And I mean good food. I couldn't just wing it and pick something out of the pantry. I had to plan my snacks. I had to plan my meals. I had to plan my grocery trips so that I would have good food. If we do not plan ahead, we will fail. And whether you're talking about physical hunger or spiritual hunger, our flesh will go back to those well-worn ruts of sin. I have a friend who had asked me um, for accountability during the afternoon hours because she said that she found herself getting those munchies in the afternoon and she was not eating healthy, and that was her desire to do so. And so I prayed for her at 3 o'clock every day. I have another friend who confessed her addiction to wine, and she wanted to break that addiction and start a new godly path. Both of these women planned ahead. We need to plan ahead, or we are going to fall right back in to those fruitless grooves of sin. So let's be aware of our appetites and ask God to change them through maybe a taste bed overhaul, through diligently planning ahead, or possibly even through fasting. So when we fast, we can devote focused time in prayer, and God can show us what our true heart's desires are. We can then confess and repent where we've hungered for things other than for him. I've often found like fasting can actually kind of reboot my desires. We can ask God to meet our physical and our spiritual needs with more of him. So I pray that wherever it is that you need to make a change of appetite, that you would be obedient to the Lord, no matter what the outcome may be. It may be a difficult outcome, but I pray that you would trust God for that. And I pray that your relationships with your husbands, with your children, with uh, others in your church, with the Lord, I pray that those relationships would be richer and deeper because of it. So the final question that I asked you was, what if you're not even hungry for God? So maybe you have never really thought about this hunger thing. Or maybe you're not really sure if you're even hungry for God. Well, if you're not sure if you're hungry or if you really are lacking in any real hunger for God, 
I think it's best to just begin by acknowledging that. There have been real times in my life where I have had a dull or no appetite for the things of the Lord. And this is a really embarrassing thing to share with other believers. But I think that that's the devil's way of really keeping us in the dark and under his bondage. So acknowledge this and bring it to the light and ask God to give you a real hunger for him. Now, I think that oftentimes when we're not hungry for God, we are just not seeing our need. So I'd like us to look at Psalm 107. And in Psalm 107, in its entirety, there are multiple scenarios of various people who were in need. And we're going to just look at the first scenario together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. So these verses describe a people who were gathered out of their lands, and they were wandering around in a desolate way. They didn't really have any real direction or any real solutions. They were hungry, and they were thirsty, and it sounds like they might even try to solve their own problems for a time, but they couldn't manage. And they basically saw that they had to give up. God had brought them to a place where they finally cried out to him for help. And you know, sometimes it takes a little and sometimes it takes a lot for people to finally see their need and call out for help. I've often found that when I've been in an an impossible situation, you know, one where no human could possibly fix this, it is then that is the perfect time to see our hunger for God rise up and to see him meet our every need. It is a real blessing when God shows us our need for him, and he's made us so that we will need him, so that we will hunger for him. But this is not a one-time discovery. Every new day is an opportunity to remember our great need for God. So even if you're not going through a difficult trial right now or something impossible, Just seeing our sinfulness rightly will create a hunger for the one who can actually do something about that sinfulness. So our trials, which include the reality of seeing our sins, is a primary way that God drives us to hunger for him. So I have a couple of questions to help you see your need. Are you self-sufficient? Or do you ask God for help by seeking his wisdom through the Bible or through prayer or by asking other godly people? 
Are you craving to know Jesus, to love him more? And if so, is that seen in your time spent with him? Obeying his word and loving other people? And is your appetite for more of God and less of yourself? Do you want to fill up with his truths or with your feelings? I hope that all of us here today see our real need to hunger after God. And you know, personally, my appetite isn't constant. I have seasons where sometimes I'm just like ravenous for the Lord. And then other seasons where I'm fairly dull. But even in those bland seasons, I want to encourage you to obey, even if you don't feel like it. In our psalm, we see how God faithfully responded to the people when they cried out to him. God was their deliverer, and he is our deliverer today from the domain of darkness and bondage to sin. And I praise God for his mighty works. And I praise God for his promises, because in verse 9, we see that God satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. So the hungry soul recognizes the Lord's goodness. In our good shepherd, we lack nothing. And I think oftentimes this recognition is learned in the wilderness. In our times of lack, we see that we're hungry. And it's when we see that need that we will be in a position to understand exactly what will satisfy. God doesn't leave us empty or hungry, or unsatisfied when our longings are for him. Now, in Matthew 5, Jesus proclaimed that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness would be blessed, and they would be filled. And along with the other blessings that Jesus spoke to the crowd that day in his Sermon on the Mount, this hunger is a heart issue changing our appetites from the shiny world around us, or saying no to our demanding flesh, all of this is impossible apart from him. But when we see our great need, when we see that we're poor in spirit, when we mourn over our sin, when we humble ourselves, this characterizes a heart who loves God and who hungers for him so much that nothing else but his righteousness will fill. So I'd like to close us right now during this time by praying, and I'm going to be um, specifically reading some praises from the word um, that praises God for his filling our hunger and our thirst. So let's pray. I praise you, Jesus, because you, you hear our pleas and you fill our hungry longings. You calm and quiet our souls like a weaned child with his mother. And you give us the desires of our hearts when we delight ourselves in you, when we trust you, when we cultivate faithfulness in you. Your grace is sufficient for us. Your strength is perfect in our weakness. You are our all in all. Our sufficiency is fully from you. And you will be in the midst of us in your temple, 
leading us to living fountains of waters where we will hunger and thirst no more. How is your appetite? I heard Wendy talk about how we really need to start in our hearts, right? We have to mourn over our sin. We have to be humble before the Lord about where we are, and we have to seek Him in our lives. She said something that I wrote down. I told you, I always write down things that mean something. Here's something she said that I thought was really good. She said, God doesn't leave us empty hungry or unsatisfied when our longings are for him are you longing for the lord today this would be a great time to just pray before the lord even right now stop the podcast and talk to god he'll hear you hey let me pray for you heavenly father i thank you for this bonus episode today a time to stop in the middle of our busy weeks and listen to what you want to teach us. Help us find satisfaction in you. Help us seek you first and you most, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, join us tomorrow for the second part of Satisfaction. You won't want to miss it. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.